Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Yeah, I'm Daniel and I'm, I serve here at Hope as the young adults pastor. I hang out with the 18 to 26 year olds a lot. They're kind of goofy and kind of keep me young and I'm getting older and I'm halfway to 68 now. And yeah, my knees and my back are kind of aching a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so actually, uh, it was probably six weeks ago or so, Mark, uh, I went and begged Mark for a morning to preach, and he's like, I don't know if you can. I, I don't know if I can get you on the schedule. And I said, well, how about this? If you put me on the schedule for the Sunday after Easter, because it's the least, statistically speaking, it's the least attended Sunday of the year. And he's like, hey, okay, okay, I think we can do that. You can do a lot less damage. <laughs> do a lot less damage that way for sure. For sure. So, um, yeah, with all the stuff we've got going on, it's already 1025, and my, like, you know me, I'm long-winded. I hope you already had a good breakfast or packed a lunch, because we've got a lot to go through today. We've got a lot to get after, and there's a, God's done some pretty, pretty good work in my heart over the last six weeks or so, where I've kind of had some ideas, and he's helped shape them and refine them to get to where we are where I believe, what I believe God has for us this morning from uh, Romans 12. Um, so being here on the first Sunday after Easter, uh, it's, we went through a 40, 40 days, 46 days if you count Sunday, 40, 40 days up to Easter, which is the season of Lent. And <clears throat> The season of Lent is a time where we prepare our hearts for the risen Christ and Easter. And it's, the, it's a time where we often go through sacrifice of something so that we can uh, prepare our hearts to be more in line with Jesus when it's time for Easter Sunday to celebrate, um, to celebrate the risen Christ. And... I, I kind of had this idea that Lent and Easter, we, we call Easter the Super Bowl for the church. Kind of like, it's a big deal It's that we're here and celebrating the resurrection. Because that's kind of, without that, our, our faith doesn't really hold any weight or have any clarity to it. And so, there's... There's this idea of the mountaintop experience. Everybody, anybody ever had a mountaintop experience? Maybe, and it doesn't have to be related to f faith. Just like any time you've had something really good happen over a weekend, where you come into, like, you finally had this wonderful, this wonderful weekend, and then you're like, you know what? 
Mondays are garbage, but I'm going to have a great week because I had this mountaintop experience over the weekend. Or, or maybe, um, maybe you were at church camp when you were in middle or high school. You went to church camp and you had this, these three or four days away at the beach and you came back and everybody's crying because everybody got dunked in the water at the beach and baptized and everybody's excited. There's this mountaintop experience. <clears throat> Um, I, th- I think that we're in a mountaintop experience last week with Easter. It's easy to see all the, all the stuff that God is doing in our congregation and in the lives of the people that are here. So we're in this moment of, of mountaintop. And I was reflecting on some of my mountaintop experiences. and. Some of those mountaintop experiences are also connected with um, grief, or maybe they're connected with uh, when you notice something that's off with the world. It's kind of a, a conundrum that you would see something that's so awful and it would be connected with this mountaintop experience. And so for me, that the experience that came to mind is a trip that I took to West Virginia. And... Um, in that, in that trip to West Virginia, we were going to serve people in the hollers. And these are just really places where poverty is unlike anything you've probably seen or experienced. Um, it's, it's unbelievable some of the circumstances that these people up in West Virginia, which is just 90 miles from our nation's capital. It, this area is just so overcome with just evil and demonic stuff and it's just it's taken over a lot of people in the area and we were going to serve a family in a holler and i walk up to this uh dilapidated trailer and i i remember i don't i remember walking up the stairs on this little porch to go in this trailer, and when we opened the door, it was 17 degrees outside. So we're, you know, parkas, you know, covered up, gloves, the whole nine yards, and we're walking into this trailer, and we open the door, and there's a furnace in the middle of the room, this big furnace um, it, with heaps of logs and coals burning to keep to keep it warm. They didn't have... It was their central heating system in the trailer. And so this furnace is burning. It is, the furnace is like, felt like it was 300,000 300, degrees. It was like the face of the sun. And but you walk away and you just got this far away from it and you were already cold. So not to, like, to top it off, when you walk in, there, there, was all, there were also nine children, probably under the age of six running around in this room with a furnace. And in this room with these kids, all they had on, the younger ones, all they had on was a diaper. And the older ones, all they had on was a pair of underwear. And you could see on their bodies burn marks from running into the furnace. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, are you okay? Like, that looked really bad. And so I 
I remember feeling like, having this feeling of sorrow for the situation that these kids were in. And then we walked around the corner, and mom is, she's standing there, she's got a dress on, apron, and she is working so hard to keep the house in order. She's making breakfast for the kids. She was, what they had, she was making for the kids. She was trying to keep things clean. She would sweep the dirt off of the dirt floor kind of thing. She was taking pride in what she had and trying to do the best she could with the situation that she was in. And just past her, and I remember seeing this and being filled with like an like this, I'll call it a, an unholy, holy rage. Um, I look past the mom who's working away, and on this couch with a basket full of crushed Natty Light cans, holding a new Natty Light in this hand and a, the remote control in this hand, looking at the TV, there's a 3,500, in this time, this was probably 11 years ago, watching this, there's a 40-inch plasma screen TV. <laughs> and at that time, that was probably a $3,500 TV uh, hanging on the wall. Running, watching ESPN to make sure he was up to date with the sport, whatever sport was happening at the time. And I remember seeing that and being filled with like this just this rage and anger towards how in the world could this man be sitting there allowing his family to go through this? And the thing that's the most important to him right now is what's on that screen? <laughs> and I, I remember I was there, Jason Williams was there. I don't know if they're here today, but Jason Williams was there with me and we both kind of turned around and walked outside and had this moment together where we were thinking about our kids. I think my youngest might have been one at the time, or I was, maybe Lindsay was pregnant with Andy at the time. I don't, but I just remember, so it wasn't 11 years ago. Maybe we were just getting married and thinking about kids. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, the, but I remember walking out, Jason defi definitely had already, they already had Mackenzie. So uh, I remember walking out and just talking with him and feeling out this, these feelings that we're having. I say, okay, so I've told that story to, to kind of lay, lay the groundwork for something that happened this week for me. I remember feeling the rage towards this man because he was fixed on a screen. And not, not three, four days ago, I'm standing in the kitchen on my, and I left my phone over there, so it looked, but I'm looking at my phone, I'm standing in the kitchen, leaned up against the counter on my phone and I've kind of tuned out everything that's going on around me so that I'm numb to it. I get sitting there scrolling, probably looking at, or you young adults, I still have refused to download TikTok. So I'm looking at Instagram reels and I'm just, you know, stuck in this death scroll on my phone and Daniel, Daniel, Daniel! Oh, what? What? Yeah, yeah, babe. Sorry, what? What? She goes, will you answer Jones? He's said your name six times, and he's got a question for you. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm, 
yeah, what's up, dude? Daddy, can I eat this? Like, sure, here, open the gummies. And I don't even remember what he had now. But I was zoned out. I don't even know what had happened that day. But in the moment, I was so focused on the screen to get away from what I was in. Because my house, believe it or not, is a little chaotic with three kids, with my three boys. You there, you know. <laughs> my house is a little chaotic sometimes. And I, I was zoned out. And I, I remembered as I had been thinking about this West Virginia trip maybe six weeks ago, I was immediately hit in the chest that I can relate. And it was the first time that I felt like I could relate with that man. I've thought about him many, many times between being there in West Virginia and today. And now, you know, probably, uh, we'll call it a decade later, I'm talking about him on st- on a stage in front of some people. And so he has, that burned something into me. And then this week, as I'm reflecting on it, I find a way to relate with him. <laughs> and it really punched me in the heart. It really punched me in the heart. <clears throat> and it's so crazy that that happened the week after Easter, the week after the mountaintop moment, the week after I've thought about what it's like to go from mountaintop to valley over and over and over again in our faith walk. And so I I wrote here, I am a crummy example of sticking with something after a feeling or a mountaintop moment. And I think that we all, I think all of us at some level can relate with that. I think everybody that has ever been can relate with going from having this, like, this idea that we need to do X, Y, or Z, and then you're like, yeah, that's a really great idea, and then you go home and you forget about it. And so then maybe maybe we've had some tugging at our heart by God to join a small group or to... Um, plug in at a church or go on a mission trip or donate financially to this group or that group or become a tither rather than just a giver or maybe we've we've had some feeling in our heart that brought that we knew was God tugging on our heartstrings getting us to move in a direction and we chalk that up and say you know what you know what I'm going to think about that Matter of fact, tell you what, I'm going to do you one better. I'm not only going to think about it, I'm going to go home and pray about it. Anybody ever use that as a cop-out? <laughs> and then and then one year, two year, a month, a decade later, you wake up and remember, I was supposed to pray about that. I was supposed to think about that. And so we walk this, we walk this walk where we use God, our faith, and our prayer life as a cop-out to being obedient to God. I do it so often, and I know that I'm not the only person here that does that. You know, most of the time our intentions, our intentions are good. I'd say our intentions are always good, but what's the 
the old adage, you know, the, the pathway or the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I felt that this week. I, I felt that this week. And, you know, I, I wrote here, we are disobedient to the Spirit of God when our good intentions never become activated into obedience. Our default as humans is disobedience to God. Living in a post-fall world, living in a world that is corrupted by sin, our default is disobedience every single time. And so, I think this is really evident. There's, there are lots of things in the Old Testament and some in the New Testament that are really bring this out and show this being evident. But I think the thing that stuck out to me the most as being evident that we go from mountaintop moments to very dry valleys lacking faith or very dry valleys that just lack motivation or we become desolate in despair. And I think that this is most evident in the story of Exodus. And so I'm going to have somebody else come up and read to us the entire book of I'm kidding. We're not doing this morning. I'm just kidding. But the survey of the book of Exodus is really telling for this idea. Because they walk, they walk away from God so regularly you'd think it was supposed to happen. Not only that, they walk away from God after not, not just a mountaintop experience, but like a mountaintop plateau where they got to the top and they continued on in the top over time. And then at the end of the plateau, they walk off the cliff and just bam and hit the bottom. They go from walking in the top to being in the valley so fast it would make your neck snap. It's unbelievable. If you look at Exodus, starting with the free, the freedom from Egypt, they were freed from slavery. They were led through the wilderness by a pillar of fire and by a pillar of cloud. Now, I don't know if you've ever been led by a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud, but that would be pretty, pretty telling to me. They they walked up to this red to the Red Sea and were like, I don't know where we're gonna go, how we're gonna get through here, and. God parts it, and they walk through on dry land. Not only did they get to walk through on dry land, but when they got to the other side, they got the satisfaction of turning around and watching their enemies get swallowed up in the water. They're, it's not that their enemies were just further behind them. Their enemies were gone. They were completely eliminated. They found a pool of bitter water, and God made it sweet. Manna, that's like honey bread um, kind of stuff, was given to them while they were in the desert so that they wouldn't starve to death. And not only was it given to them daily, but on the day before the Sabbath so that they could uphold the laws of Israel, they were given double portion on the day before so that they didn't have to work for it on the next day. And they could rest and they could take God's word seriously. Like, it's mind-blowing. And then also, you know, with the staff, Moses cracks the rock open and water comes out. So those are six 
examples of things that they saw while they were on the plateau of this mountain, walking along, enjoying their life. It wasn't terribly enjoyable during that time, but that's neither here nor there. They were on a mountaintop as far as faith is considered. And sometimes our time on the mountaintop might be our deepest struggle in life. But after going through all of that, Moses took a little bit too long on the mountain to get the law. He was up there for 40 days, and they're like, man, it's been 40 days. I think we need to throw this gold in the fire, and this calf comes out with at Aaron's direction. And so they start worshiping a golden calf, making offerings and sacrifices to it. After all of the stuff that they had seen, they walked off the cliff. They didn't, like, get there slowly. They, they walked off the cliff. <laughs> Man. And I think far too often sometimes in our own lives, things are going well, and we take a chance. We play with fire. We tempt God. We test God by tempting, using the temptation of sin. And we're just like the Israelites. We can even experience week after week after week after week of just incredible worship, incredible service during the week, incredible messages from Mark. We can experience all of these things. And we get one thing that doesn't go our way. One Sunday where the music's too loud. One Sunday where Mark doesn't say what we wanted him to say. One Sunday that our small group had to cancel because three, three or four people couldn't be there. And our whole world's wrecked. We've walked away from it. We're like, well, if we can't go this week, we're not going to go at all. I think we do this far too often. I think we do this far too often. And I would say that we have uh, something that the Israelites didn't have that might help us a tad bit more, and that is the empty tomb. We have the knowledge of how the story ends already, and we've Jesus has come, lived, died, resurrected, sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, like we said in the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> and we, we have that. So we have this sustaining power that can sustain us through the little rivets of our faith. And so I don't, I don't know that it's often that the devil <laughs> tempts us. I've been wanting to do this so bad. The devil's been wanting to tempt us with these, you know, chains like this. I think most of us, if, if we're honest with each other, most of us, if the devil came and said, hey, I'm going to ruin your marriage, come here, and wrap this around you, you would be like, no, I'm good. Hold up, get, like, get back. Most of us would say, mm, I'm not so sure that's what I want for my life, dude. Like, I don't want my marriage wrecked. I don't want the relationship with my kids to become estranged. I don't want to face ridiculous financial hardship. I don't want my friendships to fall apart. I don't, I don't want, I don't want... I don't want. And so most of us are smart enough to know that this chain 
that, the, that we think the devil comes at us with, uh, we think that we would say no to this. But the reality is that the devil comes at us with a link, one link in the chain. And he says, that's okay. It's just one website. It's okay. It's just office flirtation. It's okay. It's just taking advantage of somebody that had it coming anyway. And so he gives us a choice. He says, here, take this. Do this. It'll benefit you. And so we might give in to something small in the moment. And so we take this chain, we take this link to the chain, and then a few few weeks down the road, he goes, hey, it's just, a, just, you know, spending a little extra time at the water cooler with that girl. It's just, a, you know, it, it's just making fun of that, your friend, you know, it's all in good, it's all in good fun anyway. It's just... It's just sharing what she did. I mean, you know, she, she did this, and so you go tell everybody. It's just one little piece of gossip. And so when you say yes to that, you attach it to your other link. And then you get another small, insignificant, seemingly insignificant choice. And before you know it, You've started building your own chain. And that's the piece to this that's the most scary to me. Is that we would say no to a ruined marriage. But we would say yes to an exhilarating feeling of a little attention from some lady somewhere. Or some guy. (laughs) Or that we would say yes to becoming financially destroyed. We would say no to that. But we would say yes to taking advantage of somebody that might be in a lesser situation. (laughs) Which would lead to, ultimately lead to our own financial ruin. It's funny to me that we, we have the ability to say no when you see things for where they're going to take you down the road. But we oftentimes say yes. And at the end of the day, the chain that's binding you isn't a chain that the devil came and dropped in your lap. He convinced you to build your own chain. And you built your very own chain to bind you in place, to keep you from becoming all that God would have you to be. 
Let me share one more, uh, one more moment in my own life that this came to reality for me this week. <laughs> in, in today's culture and today's day and age, Lindsay and I talk a lot about what we need to do to make sure our kids are brought up in the way of God and that they're not, um, they're not overly exposed to cultural norms and that we can take uh, precautions to make sure that our children are, are going to be connected to God and then, you know, in 18 years when they go off into the world on their own, they'll be well equipped to face the world. Because they're going to face the world. And I had a choice the other night. I was dog tired. I had uh, I had gotten on a call at maybe six thirty in the morning, and we had this outage at work. And I was I was on I was on the phone until eight o'clock that night. I had my brain power was just gone. I was mentally exhausted, and it was bedtime. And I went in to lay Andy down for bed and laid him down. We were talking a little bit, and he said, Bible story? I was like, man, I am so tired. I, can I read you two in the morning? And he's like, I guess that's okay, Dad. You know what I didn't do in the morning? I didn't read in the Bible story. And so I said yes to a link in the chain that's not just going to impact my own life. I said yes to adding a link to my seven-year-old's life because I was too tired to read a two-page children's Bible story and tell him how much God loves him. I'm not proud of that, but it's the reality. And I think I think that if we take a moment, if we slow down just enough to uh, be reminded that if we are obedient in submission, we will find that our lives are not marked by mountaintop moments where we're constantly looking back at the good old days but rather we will be a people who are tapped into the power of God seeking out new ways to contribute and looking for areas where God is already at work and diving into it so I wanted to find supposed to go through all this while I was talking and yeah, that didn't work. There it is. Okay. So 13, 13, the word contribute, and I've already forgotten how to pronounce the Greek word. I looked this up earlier. The Greek word there for, for contribute, I immediately thought when I read it that it was going to be like about tithing or giving financially to, to the church. And it's not. <laughs> It's not about that. The The word contribute here is translated, uh, the original would be better to translate by saying um, 
figure out what it is that God is already doing in your midst and dive in and do it with him. And so I think it's really important that we take that as a, that we take that as a choice that we have to make. The choice that we have to make is that we can say yes to diving in with where God is already at work, and we can be a part of that here and now. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that's extremely important for us. So be a church that's full of people that love God, a church that's full of people that set their own needs to the side when it comes to taking care of the lowly. And that's that's what I want for us. That's what I want for you. I, I want us to make choices that uh, help help us be better connected to God. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for us and turn this back over to the uh, to the band and uh, close out with a little worship today. So let's pray. Father, thank you for today and the opportunity to be in this place with your people. I ask that you would bless us, that maybe maybe something I said came from your mouth and spoke directly to the heart of the people that are here today. I ask, Lord, that you would move mightily in our midst and move mightily in, uh, in our lives as we seek to make choices that don't add links to our chain, but as we seek to, um, as we seek to be obedient to you and not sow seeds of disobedience in our own lives or sow seeds of disobedience in the lives of those around us. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.